Remember me? It's your old fiend, the Crypt Sweeper. <laughs> you may know my cousin, the Crypt Keeper. I'm just like him, but someone's got to creep it sweepy around this tomb. <laughs> Spooky season is upon us, and what better way to celebrate than with an episode of Death by DVD? <laughs> to call this one the haunted world of Hunter Johnson. This is Death by DVD, and you are listening to Harry Scott Sullivan, your host. I'm Linnea, and I like Death by DVD. It's a statement. Spooky season is upon us, and we have a real treat for you on this episode. No trick. We have a very special guest who will be joining us. Writer, director, actor, producer, musician, ghost hunter. They do it all. I am proud to introduce to our Dead Studio audience, Hunter Johnson, director of Two Jennifer, Serena Waits, Irrational Fear, LA's Most Haunted, and Sawed Off, which will be available this October. I believe October 12th. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the day. What's up? Thank you so much for having me, bro. I really appreciate it, Harry. I really appreciate you being on the show because this didn't start in, in the best manner. I left a, a very professional review of, of your very first film on Letterboxd. And I, I think I ended it with fuck off. You should never be able to use a camera again. Something just, <laughs> it was it was super eloquent, you know, really writing at home. The New Yorker should have published it. And you tweeted me about it. We immediately began discussing things. And I am really thankful that you came on the show because, especially for the audience, I think this is a great opportunity for people to learn about artists that care about their art and don't give a shit what other people think. If you love what you're doing, uh, who cares what a critic says, especially with, I, I implore you, go find my review on Letterboxd. It's not nice. It's really shitty. And and you still manage to watch these films. You can't hate something that you, you manage to see the whole way through. And your art has integrity. And that was one of our first conversations is, is you told me, don't apologize for anything. I believe in what I did. And that hit with me. That was really resounding of if who the fuck cares what people think if you believe in yourself and now we're here now we're on an episode of death by dvd and 
we have a whole realm of things to talk about. There's a a whole world with Hunter Johnson. Hey man, um, you know, I it's funny, you know, I I uh I saw the review and I was like, you know what, like, and then I and then I looked into the reviewer, Death by DVD, and I was like, okay, this 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 dude isn't just some uh you know just some random bloke, you know, this is a dude that's got a sweet podcast, you know, has a and I saw you had a acting in a film coming out. Um, so that's why I kind of was like, hey, man, like, what up? Like, let's uh, let's chat. And, and, and to be honest with you, like I, I was telling you a little earlier, I'm just stoked that you watched the movie. You know, I'm, I would never like, you know, ask somebody to like a movie just for my ego or whatever. But, uh, you know, when you're doing these no budget indie films, just having an audience for them, having somebody watch it means a lot to the artist. Um, and uh, and like you said, that was my first film. If I could go back and redo it, I would do it a lot different um but no i appreciate you checking checking out to jennifer for real and all of them i really appreciate it yeah the series doesn't just begin or end with this one and and for anyone out there that is interested in finding these movies it's a little difficult at first because you have two jennifer then the sequel is also two jennifer so when you're saying it out loud it's it's a little screwy but you have the numeral two is is hunter johnson's first film the the very first movie is a, a found footage movie about a guy that's really obsessed with possibly his girlfriend or maybe a cam girl. You don't have a lot of clarity. And I fuck getting into the, the whole process of it. It's a series that has integrity bouncing off of each puzzle piece. The first movie begins with some really bizarre and different ideas. You're entirely shooting on an iPhone, and this was the this was the first time. Steven Soderbergh hadn't done his big movie yet. And I, I kind of feel, I mean, there's no way that he couldn't have, have seen there's an entirely shot on iPhone movie and didn't rip off the idea at least a little bit to pull out his phone and use it too. And you move into the sequel and you use these characters and it kind of integrates into a whole new world and each movie continuously does that, moving into different places. And I, there's a lot of integrity behind it. I left a fucking scathing review, I think, on all of them. At like five in the morning, you could tell that <laughs> I re- I went through this series all in one night, and uh, a really good friend of mine, uh, Manny Serrano, pointed out to me that if you hated them, you wouldn't have watched them, yet alone twice. And going through the series, I, I actually kind of like it, and I <laughs> I want a- I want more. I want a Jennifer Five. And it, but that's not where your work even begins or ends. That you have moved into a uh, far from found footage. Your your last two films, your big features that I've seen, Irrational Fear and Serena Wade's, were, were shot really well. They look great. They have great cast. Uh, you can tell that there's not a huge budget, and that everyone has pulled together to actually put together a, a production that matters. You have great sound, especially. I love Irrational Fear. You've got that that water phone that plays throughout the movie, and it sounds awesome. It's really cool. Dude, the score for Irrational Fear was um was was really nice. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, like the the budget range that I've been working in is slim to none. Um, you know, to Jennifer, we shot that for about fifteen hundred dollars. Um, and uh, I Serena waits. Serena Waits we shot in in three days just to basically kind of do an experiment um, to see if we could pull off a, a three-day feature and so we had two cameras um, just running two cameras the whole show uh, I think I got eight hours of sleep during that entire uh, that entire shoot yeah and then Irrational Fear was a, a, a collaboration uh, with Slasher Studios Kevin Summerfield in Wisconsin where I'm from um, and uh, 
I had been a fan of his work for a long time. So we had flirted with the idea of uh, working together and then we both ended up being free at the same time. But yeah, all, you know, all low, 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 low budget, no budget. Um, but, you know, it's fun to make horror movies. Wisconsin definitely appears in your films that I, I couldn't help but notice in Serena Waits, a lot of the lighting was green and gold, that there are Packers <laughs> colors all over the place. If there is, I know you can't use logos, you got to get written permission from the NFL and stuff, but you can largely see the presence that it's, there's a lot of Midwest, and I think it's brought up in the first Jennifer movie, and it's it's... The second movie, I think, is where you really start getting interesting topics because the first movie is, uh, it's, it's just a found footage movie. It's a stalker movie. And then two Jennifer raises some eyebrows. There are some uh, problematic things, I guess, is, is what the, the word is these days. But I, I don't think largely, and I don't, I don't want to bring anything up and say it in any sort of accusatory matter because it's something that, for me, watching the movie, my very first thought, especially because Felissa Rose is in it, at the end of the movie, I felt this was somebody that really loves Sleepaway Camp. This is a love letter to that that film specifically, but a kind of, it's, it's a camp slasher movie that didn't have a camp to take place on, and I, I hated it the first time I saw it. I don't even think I gave it a star, just uh, a, a shitty little word vomit. And then I watched it the second time, and there's a lot of nuances that play off with what happens at the end of the film with the soundtrack that's used, your character, with the song they're singing at the beginning of it. There's even kind of jokes where your character says, I'll be your sweet D, and you don't really realize what's happening until you get to the end of the film. And that second viewing, I was able to find appreciation for what... I had seen, and but the ending is grisly, and you, it, I can see why people can take offense to it, but I don't think there was anything disheartening put into that production that was meant to be mean-spirited or uh, hateful, I guess. I mean, I don't think it's hateful at all, but I can see yeah. why people have, have left some reviews accusing it of certain things. Yeah, totally. And, um, and I, I take full responsibility for all of that because when I, when I pitched the script um, to the team that ended up producing it with me, um, that was brought up and people, people said, hey, I don't know if we should do this, if it's in the best taste. Um, I, I ultimately made the call to, to go through with it. Um, and, you know, it, it, was a love letter to Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp 2 is my favorite film uh, of all time. I, I, yeah, I have, I have a Sleepaway Camp 3 poster like right next to me right here. But like, uh, you know, I always interpreted it as as one character and and one story and one journey and never to never meant to represent an entire group of people by any stretch of the imagination and i, I and, and honestly I, I have a little relief that you picked up on the sleepaway camp uh vibes because that was exactly what i was trying to do is pay an homage to one of my favorite films now granted uh the the political climate was was believe it or not even different back when I shot that film. So if I were to remake that movie today, I don't know if I would make those same decisions. Nor is it an excuse, um, you know, that the the climate has changed a bit. But um, but yeah, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it was a is a sleepaway camp shout. Um, 
and I meant nothing more than to tell the story of Spencer and and the journey that he went through. You know, take it for what it is. I I, I understand the criticism. Um, you know, like I get it, <laughs> but uh, you know, I just hope that people can see that that wasn't I, in no way, shape, or form was that ever supposed to be a a a, a derogatory to anything. I think a lot of the criticism is valid, but uh, in in defense of two Jennifer and your work, it doesn't seem at at any point that anything is is mean spirited or apparent in the film that it it's. Uh, I'm I'm gonna bring up a William Friedkin movie, Cruising. That there's a lot of problems people have with that movie, uh, and it it kind of makes it seem it doesn't kind of Friedkin makes it seem in that movie that being gay makes you a serial killer. And if you, in a certain lens, to Jennifer has that feeling of, is it because they are transgender? Is it because that they feel they are not who they are that they are killing? And I thought of it more in even like a Norman Bates sort of situation. We don't have a, a definitive idea of who the character is. And of course, people have a lot of problems with Sleepaway Camp 2, and they're very valid problems. I don't think and I don't want to dismiss in any sort of uh, discussion on any of the subjects because I'm sure no one's wrong in these situations. No one is, especially with what you feel. And if you hate something, you completely are allowed to. There's there's no problem with that. But with Sleepaway Camp, you kind of get a little bit of, of what has happened to this character and why they're in this position. And with Two Jennifer, we are interjected with Spencer immediately and it kind of unfolds to us and we don't get, and it's like you've mentioned, if you were able to remake it, you, there's an option to show more about the character. And I think that's why people might have a, a, a problem facing this because there's not a backstory with the character and it's just kind of shoved in your face. This is Spencer. This is what's happening, but it, it doesn't feel, and I know it's my opinion, so I can't, you know, it's, I'm not trying to justify anyone's anger if you hate this movie, but I, just don't feel it came from a, a hateful place in, in the least bit. And it, having Felissa Rose in the movies really where I'm, I was watching it and I was like, this is Sleepaway Camp tribute. This is a, a big love letter to Sleepaway Camp. I, I know where this movie's going, I think. And I was surprised at the ending. I, I really have to say that there they're, they're got to a point where I didn't think what was going to happen happened. And you have that ability with, with a lot of your work. Serena Waits, my very first viewing, I got about halfway through the movie and was like, oh, what is this ghost shit? What's going on here? And I'm spoilers, people. I'm sorry. I'm, I might give some <laughs> stuff away. And you turned that around and it, it, it all worked in the end where you, you were impressed. And that last shot of Serena Waits to me is one of the most beautiful things I've seen in a really long time of the character completely unhappy and looking out the window after all of this stuff. It's it's emotional and touching, and you watch your very, very first work, and you can see, adjacent to what you're working on now, there's a lot of emotion in it. There's a lot of thought to your stories, and I think with Two Jennifer, you, I don't want to tell people to get over it because that's going to get me canceled, but <laughs> I might start getting some fucking hate letters, and I don't mean get over it, but I think you might have to put your hate or displeasure somewhere else because this movie came from from no malice and it's it i i gave it a, like a zero and a half star the first time i saw it and it's not my favorite movie in the world but watching it i've seen it twice now there's a lot more to it than i think it's one of those films you really do need to watch twice there's a lot more to it the second time where you start getting to know spencer and it becomes a sympathetic villain and then of course you return again in uh, the the final Jennifer film, for, from Jennifer, 
Four Jennifer. Four yeah, Jennifer. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many of yep. them. Four Jennifer, you return, and we, we are allowed to learn a little bit more about your character. And as I said at the beginning here, the, the, the whole series takes wild twists and turns, and no insult to you and, and the first and the fourth director, but I thought the third film uh, was just terrific i i loved Derek mirrors he was one of the most oh he's so he's incredible in it you almost really want to cry when you get to to the finalization of the film and we find out yeah spoilers <laughs> stop listening here and i guess go watch all of hunter's films in the jennifer series but uh it 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 all it, it works together and then you move into the next film and you're in that reality and it was you get really enchanted with it, and then I was really refreshed when I when I watched your next film. And the first movie I watched after that was Irrational Fear, that it wasn't found footage. That it mm-hmm. was its own film and its own universe. And it's it's certainly its 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 own beast. I mean, you had a lot with that movie, and I, I kind of felt it was almost I felt a lot of reanimator vibes, but it wasn't quite it, nobody comes back alive, no weird Herbert West, but you could really feel a lot of 80s, like, Stuart Gordon kind of appreciation for it. I know we haven't been as close as we used to be, but that's part of the reason that I want you to come. I want to make up for it. I just don't think it's going to help. Dr. Sanders is more than just some teacher trying to help. I understand you spoke with Zach. I think it would do you some good, Taylor. This is going to be one weekend you'll never forget. Everyone has irrational fears. At the end of the day, that's all they are, fears. We're all here for one purpose, to find our true potential without irrational fears holding us back. Fear of physical contact is very common, but you can't let it control you. There's nothing to be afraid of. You know, we were going for camp um, and uh, hopefully hopefully that came across. It's obviously less serious in, in overall tone than I think the two Jennifer and, and Serena Waits are. Um, I, I prefer movies uh, that are uh, just my taste that are serious in tone, that are um, uh, that where you know who the killer is throughout the whole movie versus like a whodunit kind of thing. Um, I, I'm more interested in watching characters devolve or characters fall apart um versus you know just body count movies and it's it's funny in two for going back to two jennifer the in the original script um the opening scene there there was a lot more to spencer's backstory and we ended up taking we ended up not using it and the movie kind of shifted from the original script into what it is now but in the opening scene of the movie originally it was supposed to start with spencer killing somebody like immediately. So you immediately know from the first scene that this guy's a psycho killer. Um, but we ended up taking that out to kind of make it more of a, not give it all away at the, at the top of the movie. But, but yeah, you know, it's like each one's its own little beast and uh, you know, it's fun. I'd like to do another found footage movie someday. Um, but I, I don't know when or how or if, but um, they are, they are super fun to make. And I, and, and, you know, being shot on the iPhone, it's a, another one of those great reasons to make a movie like everyone has a 
camera in their pocket that is better than cameras that people had 40 years ago so you know there's you run out and make a movie like even if it sucks even if it sucks as bad as two jennifer it's still you can still learn things from it and and, and grow from it yeah i have to say if if i ever get to the point of tackling a movie i think my first option would be found footage and it's not oh, because yeah. it's the easiest route but when you have no budget you can do mm-hmm. just about anything and and there's so many really famous directors that people kind of neglect to think about the the money they didn't have. Like George Romero never had a decent budget, and every time that he was approached with a really really high budget, he would write these like Day of the Dead. The original script was this ridiculous fantastical thing, and it kind of got split into what happens with Land of the Dead. But there were going to be compounds above the ground and underground kingdoms, and the zombie world had happened, and they told him like that's fucking ridiculous. We're going to give you this amount of money, deal with it. And he ended up making one of the most gorgeous, terrifying zombie films ever made. And and people are terrified over their budget and what they're going to do with it. And budget is important. I mean, you I don't think you can make a, a good indie film for zero dollars, but you don't need to have, uh, like, The Witch was shot on three million dollars, and that's what they call indie these days. Three yeah. million's a lot. That's... That's I can asking. make a lot of movies for three million dollars. Yeah, Thirty thousand <laughs> is is still. I mean, you're looking at a, a an upper scale indie project with about thirty thousand dollars. You shot two Jennifer on around fifteen. That's an incredible, incredibly reasonable budget. Ah, damn, it's an incredibly, an incredible uh, tongue twister there. An incredibly, incredibly. I'm just going to keep that in because I can't say it. Yeah, an incredibly do it, do it. reasonable product. A product. An incredibly reasonable production value uh, set aside because you you can deal with putting the movie out, you can deal with distribution, you can deal with uh, whatever posters or Instagram that you're going to try and get this on, and then you actually have the money for what you're shooting with, and you had been mentioning cameras. I think that's a big fear with people of, of what do I do? Do I need to go buy a Canon? Do I need to go do this? You do have a, a a whatever in your pocket, even if it's a Samsung. Just shoot sideways and and find a good editor, and you should be fine with that. And not even a, a good editor do I mean like a person. Like find a decent copy of of Vegas. I don't think Sony makes it anymore, but uh, Adobe. There's there's so many different mm-hmm. options that you can go out and cut your own movie on. And I mean you can. It's not hard to get on Tubi anymore. You can really push it and find an audience, and it it helps. I think a lot of people also are worried about making back what they put into things. And something that you had said to me that really struck home was you made you make movies for yourself. You make the yeah. art for what you want. And I, as, a, as anyone out there that wants to be an independent director or an independent artist, I think that's the first thing that you have to realize. you got to do this for you. Don't care about what the critics say. Don't worry too much about it. Your art still... At some point, is valid, and I mean, even looking back at To Jennifer, there there is people that have problems with the movie because they feel it went in a certain direction or that it, it could be hateful, and you can still come back years later and build on top of that with, you know, it, it's not just because it's from an older era, but it, it was because of an older era, and you don't have the education you did then people learn people grow people change and with that filmmakers change their their growth their output changes and i think it's really really evident with your body of work that there's a great deal of change there's a great deal of progression 
there's a lot of love for for genuine horror movies. I think there's a lot of homages and tributes that I might even be wrong about in your films that I I have found even as a horror fan. And uh, and Serena waits at the end of the movie. They have these yellow rain slickers on and all I could think about was the movie Alice Sweet Alice and was like damn it's it's just layers on layers and you can find anything inside of anyone's art and and hate it or love it but it's something that I thought was really enchanting with yours that as you move forward each story kind of progresses and and seems a little bit more matured than the last one that you can really see your growth as as an artist uh, progress and evolve. You know, bro, I really appreciate that. Um, uh, you know, and and that's you know wh- what we were kind of chatting about on Twitter. You know, it's like I do think that that artists should have uh, the ability to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, and become better. And I, I think not just artists. I think people in general. I think uh, you know, if I if I had a conversation with my sixteen year old self today, I'd be like, "Fuck that guy." You know what I mean? Yeah, like, definitely. there's. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's lots of uh, there's I do believe that people can 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 change can realize that they they may have messed up or that that something wasn't as good as it could have been. Um, but that doesn't mean you should write them off, you know, uh, and it's one thing if you don't like a movie that's totally fine, you know, it's all good but like don't necessarily unless the artist is making like fucking propaganda or something or something really really fucking uh, obscene. I don't necessarily ever write an artist off. I, I do believe there's a separation between art and artist. Um, I do believe that uh, that that um, you know people can can fuck up and then they can come back and do something great. Now, what, what, I'm not saying I'm going to do something great, but I'm just saying that like I can acknowledge that the that two Jennifer is not my strongest piece of work. Um, but it was important to me in my growth and, and it was important to other people on the cast and crew that went on to do really cool stuff after that. Um, and yeah, you know, it is, it is what it is. You know, I won't apologize for it, but I can acknowledge that, that it it wasn't my best piece of work. I definitely wouldn't say it's a fuck up either. Uh, and I mean, I, I, I guess I don't want to sit on e- any side of the fence here, but I feel if the movie was made in 1982, it'd be an exploitation video nasty classic. And, and really what separates it from those eras is, I mean, iPhone movie, that's a big thing. But it, taking that aside, Cannibal Holocaust is a found footage movie. So there were there are ways around doing it hypothetically. But it's it's really the era the movie has fallen in and where things change. And it's, it's, def, it's not bad at any point that things change. And as I've said before, I feel everyone's argument on it is valid. But especially capitalizing on, on what you just said, I don't think, any apology should be necessary or calling it a fuck up is necessary because it really, it stands for something. And even if, you know, you, you can sit and people can argue over Quentin Tarantino and his use of racial words that he probably shouldn't be using, definitely shouldn't be using in his movie. Well, he shouldn't be saying them. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. most of the problem. You can't sit and be mad about that and then be okay with something else. And, and I think there's a lot of, fingers that get pointed over situations because it's a popular thing to hate and it's this this definitely isn't the first time that you've spoken about this and addressed the subject matter i i think to jennifer is a dangerous movie and i don't think that is a bad thing i think a lot of the video nasties especially things that are, are are thought of and people collect and spend thousands of dollars on even some of the movies vinegar syndrome puts out can they're they're dangerous they have a lot of dangerous subject matter that 
is of its time and different and to Jennifer is, is very similar to something like that. It, it would have been a banned movie on the, the BBFC list. And it, it is shocking besides even the, the things that offend people, the behavior of the character Spencer, what happens connecting it to the other movie. It, it has its own flow. It has its own nuances and it definitely shouldn't be written off that, even at the the base level, I've seen thousands of terrible found footage movies, and it's still somebody that has gone out and, and shot this and released it, which is far more than, than I've done. So at that level, I, I would hope the audience, at least that's listening to this, can humanize and like watch it. But yes, it, it, it could be dangerous, but all films could be dangerous. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, The NeverEnding Story, it, it could be dangerous, kind of. Don't go in the swamp, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that scene scarred me for life. Come on, Ortex. What's the matter? What's wrong? Come on, boy. What's the matter? I understand. It's too difficult for you. I don't I don't believe in artists censorship or holding back I do think that it's up to the audience to decide whether something is appropriate or not um, and you know uh, people have different lines people have different moral boundaries different uh, uh, views um, in life in general so I, I don't necessarily think that I would ever want to uh, uh, I, I always joke, you know, fuck the audience, you know, like, you know, like I'm going to make the movie I want to make. And if people are going to like it, that's cool. If they don't, that's not the good thing about two Jennifer is that the people that don't like it seem to really, really, really fucking hate it. And I would rather elicit that reaction than them say, eh, it was whatever. It was just so, it was so, so, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, getting a strong reaction out of people, uh, is a success. I think, especially in the horror, horror, uh, field, just because, you know, you, you want to stir up emotion in people. Now, like I was saying before, I never meant to stir up, you know, emotion in, in, in the, uh, uh, you know, the, the trans spectrum, but, um, but it is kind of fun to see people say, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Like, I'll take that as a badge of honor. Um, like, wow. Like I made the worst movie you've ever seen. All right. Fuck. Yeah. Let's do it. The same people that hated pink flamingos probably. <laughs> For sure. Oh my gosh, that one's rough. When everybody's head about the bird. Have you ever seen um, Last House on Dead End Street by Roger Watkins? 
No, I haven't. I haven't. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. Remember, it's only a movie. A lot of what you said reminded me of that movie. That it's a, it's, I don't even know what type of genre to call it. It's, it's a grindhouse exploitation film, and the guy that made it mostly for his career shot porn films, and he made this meth fueled movie in two or three days in the late seventies about a guy that gets out of prison and decides he's going to start shooting snuff films, and he he gets this gang of just kind of mutant freaks, just sideshow leather guys from the, the New York City strip, and they all wear these bizarre Greek kind of Zardoz-looking masks and start shooting snuff films to get back at society for fucking them over. But a, a, the big point of the movie is, is the director wanted you to be hurt. They wanted you to be shocked by what you were seeing. And that's even, I mentioned him earlier, but like William Friedkin, his, his point of The Exorcist was to scare you. He was tired of movies that didn't have any effect, so he went out of his way to do something. And it was harmful. People picketed that movie, even like Kevin Smith's Dogma. People just hated it because of the subject matter, because it was Catholicism. And you get to a point where you, you actually see the movie, and like to Jennifer especially, the end of it, yeah, I can see. I really can understand where people could have some, some hardcore displeasure with this movie, but I find it impossible to not see where it came from. Especially if you are a horror fan, you, you have to see where this attitude is, and it's, uh, Felissa Rose really nailed it, uh, at, what was the, the, the herpes girl? The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't, it was like Valtrex herpes girl, and she returns again. The, one of the best Felissa performances just tears a whole asshole into Spencer, or a new asshole into Spencer, and you can see that it, it seems like a product made by somebody that absolutely just fucking loved horror movies, and even better that your favorite movie is Sleepaway Camp 2, because that's the movie that, that changes the attitude of Sleepaway Camp with the Pamela Springsteen character and the fact that they have had Gender, gender reassignment surgery and it raises you know all these questions of uh, what happens in the first movie and these these characters become further more enriched so knowing it even comes from a place like that I just can't see I don't I don't see any malice at all I mean I know I've repeated myself with that but it makes I think the the movie and the series itself and your work in general have a bit more nuances because it, especially what we've just been talking about you come from a place of of like actual fear with your movies and you know more like a Wes Craven George Romero you're going out there to show the audience a horror story it's not always a safe place it's not always comfortable but it's not from anger it's just trying to get a rise out of the audience and it's beautiful when people hate but at the same time it's nice to see at least a reaction towards some of your movies and, and places like Letterboxd, there are some favorable reviews. It's good that people can at least appreciate some of what you've put out. I would say that the we we did we did get a a, a bunch of favorable favorable reviews when the movie came out. Um and uh the 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 tone has shifted, which is fine. You know, I get I get that. But I tend I tend to find that people that are true real horror nuts like real real horror nuts and found footage nuts tend to like the series overall in general um but you know to each their own um it's you you brought up Pamela Springsteen when when I was in high school I emailed Pamela Springsteen after I watched Sleepaway Camp 2 and was just just completely rocked by it just 
like fucking blew me away and I, I actually ended up emailing her being like yo like I really liked your movie like um and she and she wrote me back uh and was like yo dude like if you want to make horror movies go fucking make a horror movie so you know I was really like fired up by the whole sleepaway camp thing the Pamela Springsteen thing um uh you know like that's that's where it came from you know straight up and and my my favorite movies are ones where you the characters aren't necessarily likable spencer's never supposed to be likable in that movie he's a he's a fucking douchebag throughout the whole movie and that you know that was a choice and it's like um but i that's just my personal preference is like i like watching flawed characters make mistakes versus watching you know the the beautiful cheerleader just get stalked by a killer um uh, not that there's anything wrong with those movies, it's just my, you know, my preferences is watching characters that are deeply flawed, that have, have, you know, terrible thoughts and, and go through with wacky actions. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Uh, it really shows in your work, though, especially with something like Irrational Fear, which it, you might not have liked or wanted the audience to like Spencer in your movies. And I think that's really evident on screen. But you use a very specific actor in all of your films who I can't help but but love. I think they are the one of the greatest things about your movies. And you, you see them first in Two Jennifer. Then you move into Irrational Fear with, with just an absolute performance with this actor. And that movie takes pretty much everything you were just talking about. I think it's 100% visualized on screen because everyone that you're introduced to, you, you have this like red herring false lead. You start falling in love with these characters and they immediately start getting wasted and you don't know who to trust. You don't know what's going on and you've got it driven just by one amazing performance. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to slaughter his last name. Oh, I'm curious to see. Let's hear it. Yeah, I got to. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Maybe Charles Chudabala. Yeah, Chudabala. Chudabala, yes, Chud. Yes. I was <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, it's not Chud. He's not a cannibalistic human underground dweller. Which, oh, there's another great 80s film reference for you. Hell yeah. Your movies always have this character, or an appearance from this character. And I thought it was a character for the longest time because everyone referred to them as Charlie. And it's his name. That made deep, <laughs> deepening sense. And then when I saw L.A.'s Most Haunted, I'd, I'd realize, oh, it's, it's his name. You're not so clever after all, Harry. Um, but I, I loved Irrational Fear. I was a little confused toward the end of the movie, but at, at the same time, by the end of the movie, I didn't care that it was it ran to me like a drive-in kind of film that this was something that would be perfect to go see with you know the shitty side speaker audios from a drive-in movie theater with a date at midnight like you're going to get laid watching this movie it's I That's can't what guarantee I, exactly that, what I was but... going for bro everyone gets laid if if you watch my movies you will get laid <laughs> Well, maybe not Serena Waits. That one might not yeah, be. Yeah, <laughs> okay, actually, yeah. No, you don't want to sleep with whoever you're watching Serena Waits with. <laughs> that, but, could, um... that could cause problems. What's your name? I'm Serena. <laughs> See what she did to me? Get her out of here. I can go from those pictures she sent me. If you help us, I promise you'll make the team. I think it's all connected. What did you do? I've been having nightmares too. I've been seeing things hurt there, hearing knocking in the middle of the night, and no one's just scratching.
Like you said, we got away with it. Charles Chutabala is just an incredible actor. I cannot speak highly enough of him. I've, he's in every feature film I've ever made, and hopefully it will continue that way. And now he's gone on to produce. Uh, I've, I produced uh, several movies with him, um, and now he's directing his own short films. Um, so he's uh, he's just hungry, and he's very talented, and 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 just the nicest fucking guy you'll ever meet in your life. So it's like, why? I, if he, if he's on set, everyone is going to have a better time. So like, why wouldn't I keep bringing him back? Well, that really does shine shine light and a little bit of glory on the Jennifer series and you've brought this up but every movie is a stepping stool for someone else and and there are so many talented people that have been able to get a career and a start in this business and it's it's incredibly difficult to even mastermind and come up with concepts that you're going to put on screen and be comfortable putting on screen yet alone you know the editor from one movie going the next time. I'm gonna do this. It's my time. I'm. I have an idea and moving forward and progressing. That itself is kind of the beauty of of even just one bad movie. It can spawn so many different ideas and so many sequels that it might be a shitty letterbox review. But at the same time, it it has changed people's lives. Whether you it it could be the worst most offensive thing you've ever seen, but it changed somebody's life for the better. And it's it's the progress kind of of art that is, is I thought was kind of beautiful about the whole interaction of me having to eat my own words of, yeah, well, you hated this, but now you've sat through it two times and you have found something out of it that it, it to me is inspiring. And this the story of how all of these movies have made is inspiring and your work itself. I mean, you go out there on no budget and you've made some pretty solid films. I, I really think Serena Waits is my favorite that that one. It, it managed to shock me. I, I didn't know what was happening for a while. I felt confused. And then at the end of it, I was kind of broken that you really, it's disheartening. It's not a positive ending. You really are left with your own reflections and thoughts. And it makes you think about, you know, your past, your history, everything. And you managed to, but you were discussing, especially with some of uh, the things you'd like to do with characters and uh, dealing with the most fucked up people, you have these two dude bro characters, and then you have Serena, who has now become so damaged and and so war torn because of their actions that she herself is is now not okay mentally. It's it's just deeply layered and vastly entertaining. I mean, I was really happy to watch it again for the second time because I'd gotten into it. I wanted to go through this character's struggle again. And it's it's Charles that really, as he did with Irrational, Feel, Irrational Fears, nails this and brings it home. That it's it's just a solid, it's it's beyond a B-movie performance. It's a solid performance. It's really great. And it's such a, it's such a low level of indie. You have to, I, I mean, I'm not going to come to the audience house with a hammer and threaten you, but you really have to appreciate it. You, you need to appreciate this level. Yeah, man, that uh, that one was was a was a trip, and um, you know that one definitely did have more political undertones. Um, the whole uh, oh god, I I don't want to say his name, the 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 swimmer or whatever. Um, we we had decided that we wanted to uh, make a movie, and and I've always wanted to do like a rape revenge film. Um, but that said, it was uh, I wouldn't want to tell the story from a female perspective because I can't. You know what I mean? I'm. It's not my place to tell it from uh, from the perspective of the female. So that's why we chose to tell it through the perspective of the dude bro and get to watch these kind of fucking assholes 
kind of kind of get what's coming to them you know even with that i didn't want to be too i wanted to tell do do a rape revenge movie um it is a, a subgenre that i have a lot of films uh that i'm a fan of um and we you know we we got together and shot it in three days um and that was we had this uh, smaller but we had like two grand to shoot that whole to do that whole fucking movie <laughs> i don't know it's one of my personal favorites too uh out of my work um and uh, a lot of that is due to the cast, due to Charles. Um, and I feel like people have kind of, the people that have watched it, now granted not a lot of people have seen it, but the people that have, have tended to uh, kind of get it, I guess, or at least get what I was trying to go for. If, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I felt there was like a, a bit of Edgar Allan Poe inspiration with the tall tale heart of the guilt of having to deal with the subject and the constant knocking and then... I mean, straight, I spit on your grave, but from, and, and I, I felt it was, was beyond adequate with, without the female depiction that you were able to see through this character that on one hand isn't necessarily guilty, but is because they could have done so much more. They could have called the police. They could have done a, a realm of things to make the situation better. You get this, it's, it's kind of like what I imagine when the, the Cenobites come out of the box. This is the torture, that the, the characters are these angels of death that are coming to avenge. But that very last shot, you see that it, just because you've done this doesn't make things better. And it leaves you with a really great statement and an idea of, you know, it, it's even something going even with politics, like the death penalty is killing a killer the right thing to do you have uh, ultimately a whole voyage to go back and i i really felt the movie had an amazing amount of watchability to watch it and then go back and realize because you're tricked throughout the whole film thinking that there's something supernatural going on and you had the the freddy krueger reference and then the homages move with that forward and it was like what the fuck's going on is this going to turn into one of those movies that's just oh it was a ghost the whole time and you flipped that coin and it, it landed perfectly and it was smooth the end of the movie was painful and you're you you feel angry over what's happened but that's the justific justification of the story being told. I thought it came out so well. And just, I mean, God, a, a two, $3,000 budget is amazing for what you see. Everything works on screen so well, and that's a, that's a testament of just being able to shoot something even in an apartment with your friends. If you can get the right people together and have the, the right mindset, you can really make anything. And it's it's a terrific indie movie. I mean, I would love to see this on something like The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob, that it, it, it has the power of being seen. I think it's, a, it's not even like a starter film. You're, you're well into your career. This is a, a statement movie. I thought it really had some balls. One thing that that I was trying to go for with Charles's character in particular, Scott, is that he is involved. And certain people might say, oh, he didn't deserve that. He didn't commit the crime, but he's complicit in it. And, um, you know, that says something to a lot of people, to probably more than, probably the vast majority. We're all complicit in these kind of uh, bad situations. And, you know, like this bros before hoes mentality that is just kind of fucking goofy. And uh, people need to, you know, you need to hold your buddy accountable for acting like a shithead. Um, you need to hold your, your brother to the wall and say, what are you doing? Like, this is not okay. So I wanted to make Charles very sympathetic character, but also have him, you know, and that's due to his performance and, and, you know, he's, he's much calmer than the other guys. He's not as douchey and bro-y. 
Um, but also like he needs to fucking get punished for this, man, because there's too many people that just sit silent while all these horrible things happen around them and they and they're just complicit with it. And, and it's like, no, you should not get away with that either, bro. I felt that was the the overwhelming statement the, the whole time watching the movies. That's what made it terrifying is, you know, your your pop punk friend that's 33 year old still dating 18 year old, 18 year old girls you laugh at is that's a problem. And that's such a. Uh, an easy meme and a target that you see in people that make fun of it. And you even have that Leonardo DiCaprio thing going around right now that he only dates girls till he's 25. Yeah, that is kind of fucked up though. I mean, you are like 46, buddy there. You, you get to a limit where it starts seeming predatory and it is an amazing part of our culture. And then I hate keeping bouncing off references from two Jennifer, but you look at the growth from those movies I think it makes it even more evident that all of your work and all of your art comes from a very personal place and that it's it's never from a, a poor mindset. It's never politically against a certain type of people or a race or a group or a gender that you're working from a, a pure horror standpoint. But I mean, this uh, both of your last films were really psychological, but I, I would find even though Irrational Fears is about a, a psychologist, this one makes you think more and leads you much more into a provocative route of, of looking at yourself and the horrors that are within, which is exact. <laughs> Irrational Fears is about the horrors that are within, so you really have a lot of a similar subject matter, but uh, the last one really, there's something about it that reflects more and I, I mentioned this with um to Jennifer but most of your work I, I feel would be adorned on people's walls if it was made 1982 that it would be solid banned video nasties on the BBFC list and it's not even just the gore to Jennifer does have some some pretty gross gutting though that that's that's the last sequence of the movie you really get into the gore and then you progressively have kind of one-upped it that you've had some pretty natural and and decent effects throughout especially irrational fear you've got melting a little bit of street trash melt i don't know if that was an influence with the movie but there is some goo oh it's it's gooey for sure it's it's so funny because we were uh kevin and i were kicking that script uh back and forth he'd write a scene then i'd write a scene but we didn't have a full treatment or anything um so we got like three quarters of the way through the script and we're like all right we've got this goo we've got people melting disintegrating what the fuck is going on and we kind of had to figure it out which was uh which was funny you definitely love sleepaway camp and i think that's really evident with two jennifer but a lot of what i see in your movies is stuff that i have found and been passionate about as a horror fan that I can find in your movies, which kind of gives it a timeless... I mean, and I, I talk about it a lot on Death by DVD. I judge movies on their, their watchability. Can I watch this two, three, four times? If it, it's a once and done, I don't know if I really like the movie. And I've done twice on all of your films, and I, I kind of want to go even farther just to look more, just to see the nuances. And that, for me, is how I start finding out I really like something, where I like obsessively watch it eight times. But sometimes that works with finding things and especially the discussion we've been having i found things in your movies that weren't even intentionally there that you didn't even put there that's the glory and the fun of of being a horror fan is you can interject yourself into these characters into these roles and irrational fear i think is a really relatable movie because you really don't know what people are afraid of and all the fears that you tackled in that movie were really basic fears that you had somebody that was a uh, very vain you had somebody that was afraid of water you had somebody afraid of 
germs. Somebody was uh, terrified of their teeth rotting. And at all of the, the basic emotions that you feel when you get the effects with the budget that you had, it all, like the scene where the sun is rubbing all that weird shit on the dad's face, it's disturbing. It's, it's terrible. It's one of the most disgusting things you've seen in years, but it's great. You can't look away. It's that that car wreck syndrome that you use everything, all the emotion and just a love of horror on screen. And it's really fucking evident. Like it, it became pleasurable to a point of like, man, I'm terrified. I don't know what to say to Hunter because I, I began these, this whole thing with me hating his movies. And I, I kind of <laughs> like, I love this shit. This is great. Oh man. Hey, Hey, you know what, bro? I'll take it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's, <laughs> No, hey, you know, and, and like I said, even if you hate them, having being being a you know, uh, I, I I don't really make money on these movies. You know what I mean? Like it's it's we're we're on the bottom of the totem pole in terms of the films that and the quantity of films uh, that have been released. Um, but so just literally have just watching it means the world. You know what I'm saying? Like so, from one horror fan to another, I really appreciate you even just taking the time to watch them. You know, because that's a lot more than than uh that you could even ask for you know just the 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 great thing about making no budget movies is you don't really have a bottom line um so you can make them just so people can watch them um you know and and so i appreciate that i I do that's like the the baseball movie field of dreams if you build it they will come At some point, at some place, even Death by DVD, I, I, some of the episode choices, you were talking about the, the Duck, the Carbine High Massacre episode. Even while I was writing that to put out, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, five people are going to hear this. Maybe the guy that, that directed it, one of them's dead, one of them's not. I have no idea. I did uh, some York Boudigreet movies, like like ne- Necromantic and Dare Toda Skin, and it gets to a point where you... I guess you want to educate, you want to push, you want people to acknowledge and understand that there is much more to art than meets the eye and you can watch huge big budget movies you can go and see whatever's playing top gun to this just billions of dollars you got the new lord of the rings series i actually think billions was put into that series and it yeah. doesn't mean it's great the internet is torn over it people are mad over thousands of different reasons and then you can go and find an absolutely no budget movie and see just as much work just as much pain put into these performances and it's it's bizarre that there seems to be this juggling act of like well I can't watch this this movie absolutely sucks and like some of the reviews on 2 Jennifer uh, irrational fear people just hating these characters one of the reviews was like well I can't believe that the psychiatrist didn't direct the movie it seems just t- it's like uh, you got to look beyond what your value is you go and check these people's reviews and the last movie they really liked was The Lion King that they, they yeah. it's not necessarily coming from a bad place and all criticism is valid, but it gets to a point where can the critics do what you do? And you've moved so much in your career. I mean, you've you've covered multiple different venues, you've moved to even more terrifying grounds than just people dying, that you've you've added psychology, you've added uh, black magic and mysticism, and then you have your your documentaries about ghost hunting. I mean, it's a very vivacious and full career i think it's much more than most people bitching can say they can do i mean it's it's pretty admirable 
Hey man, I appreciate it. And, and, um, you know, no, no hate to anyone that ever leaves a, a negative review, man. Like, um, the, the only, the only reason I, I called, I called it out, uh, on yours is just, uh, um, like I was saying, you know, it's, it, you seem like you were a chill dude, you know what I mean? Like, so I just want to be like, Hey, what up, bro? Like I'm, I'm a pretty chill dude too. Um, and maybe we can find common ground, you know what I mean? Like, and now I've discovered your podcast through this too, which by the way is fantastic. I'm a huge fan. Um, so I'll be w- working my way through it. I went and hyperventilated when that tweet came through. I was like, Oh fuck, what did I do? What have I done? <laughs> like, Oh shit. I did something bad. I just sat there trembling. Like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Oh my God, dude. You know what? And I'm not even going to lie. You call me on a bad day. I was like, I was, I was, uh, I, I, you know, I, I check letterbox like, I don't know, once every couple months or whatever, just to see what's going on. And I was just like, you know what? This, 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 this isn't just some dude. This is a, an established, uh, horror aficionado. As I could tell, I'm going to, I want to start a conversation. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's like, uh, uh, you know, independent filmmakers, whether they make, I, and trust me, I've seen a, a thousand indie movies that I would not recommend to people, you know, that, that, that just didn't do it for me. Um, but I always try, and maybe it's just my perspective as a filmmaker, I always try to, to, to see the positives, you know, like maybe, maybe the film, the acting is super bad, but they had really good cinematography. So it's like, you know, or, or maybe it's a, you know, really, really like terribly edited, terribly paced movie, but the score is incredible, you know? So it's like stuff like that, where it's like, um, you know, just trying to find the positive, especially with people that, that are working on no budgets, you know, if you want to shit on a Marvel movie or, uh, you know, they, they'll be crying all the way back to their mansion, you know what I mean? Like, uh, um, but you know, independent filmmakers, the majority of them aren't making a living doing what they're doing or making movies. They, and, and the majority of them are, are just regular dudes, you know, or regular gals. Um, uh, so it's like, I, I try to be forgiving when I'm watching low budget, no budget films, because a lot of people are used to Marvel. They're used to Hollywood pictures. So when they turn on a movie like to Jennifer or, or a, a low budget movie, they're like, Oh, this, this is shit just because of the budget. But, um, and I can, I can get that, but, but it's, it's also like, you know, like if you don't, if that's not your thing, then just don't watch it. You know what I mean? Like if it's, if you don't like the budget quality, then just turn it off. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but. It, it 100% makes sense. I mean, that's, that's everyone's opinion is valid sort of thing, but it comes to an extent of if you're focusing all your time on something you don't like, is it so much valid? Or are you just really being a hater? And it, it kind of gets exhausting because people will just go out of their way to focus on things they don't like. And it's, it's that's how I found uh, to Jennifer. I love found footage movies. I don't care how bad they are. If I hated it, I, I by no means would have watched all of them. And before I even knew, I went through the series blind. I didn't know there was a second one. So I finished part two, found out there was a third one. So each time I just kept trucking through it and it, it it was intriguing if it was so awful there was no way i, I would have finished and, and and keep going through the series but that's it kind of you 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 do have to i guess address fans at certain points that some people like like just really love marvel movies and they aren't familiar with found footage aside from something like blair witch which i even find questionable when people have the audacity to hate even the lowest budget found footage movie play, which looks like shit. Come on. I mean, that's what made the charm of found footage is it, it oh, looks like shit. And it, 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 I get 
flack for it constantly. I love Book of Shadows. Also, I loved the third film, the the whole series. I love Blair Witch. And to the you're in your thirties and you still think that shit's scary? Fuck yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. No, it's... <laughs> it's scary shit. Fuck you, dude. I just made a TikTok the other day where it was like my the three movies that still scare me to this day, and Blair Witch is one of them for sure. If I watch that alone with the lights off. I will get scared every fucking time. I brought it up at the beginning of the show, but Dawn of the Dead, that's one for me, especially alone, those haunting moans of the zombies in the chamber. Uh, Even Return of the Living Dead gets me. Uh, I, I'm actually... We, the audio, we're not recording video, but um, I've smoked like 11 cigarettes while recording this, but I'm in the midst of quitting smoking and only smoke while I'm recording, but I'm still kind of a big guy. Return of the Living Dead, I smoke... I'm not in good shape. I'm dead. Fuck it. That movie terrifies me. The second <laughs> the zombies start running, my heart just starts racing like I'm going to fucking die. There, if these zombies, ha even the walking dead, I'm, <laughs> I'm not surviving. There's no chance. And the realism in that's what, what is terrifying and what makes things uh, kind of work on the, the, the almost no budget indie level because you have no option but forcing people into their own fears. And even too, Jennifer works on that level that you get to a point in that movie where you realize we have the most unreliable narrator of all time, that Spencer just cannot be trusted and something terrible is going to happen. And and it might be some of the most grisly deaths out of the entire movie. It looked like a multi-tool you were using. Yeah, just like, yeah it was Ooh. a Leatherman my dad, uh, my dad gave me. And when I flipped out both the blades, I was like, oh, damn, this has got to be a murder weapon. Because um, that's just what I think about when I see sharp objects. Hey Jennifer, you don't, you don't know me yet, and actually I don't even know you. My name is Spencer, and I'm making a movie. Jennifer, and it's going to be something really special for you and me. Jennifer, I'll see you soon. And that's, that's the filmmaker. I mean, that's what really works with being able to find the, the, the scariest things possible. You had an irrational fear, a drag scene where somebody gets dragged under the ground, and that just attacks you on all senses. And especially it's the character that's afraid of being touched. So that that worked for it. But that's what kind of you balance with, with everything, that you have a, a very solid balance of dealing with the character, the approach to the character, and even if they're thrown away uh irrational fear again you had the girl that was uh, obsessed with her weight and her looks and she's in the movie for just a few seconds but just through that introduction you're allowed to see the device and the tool that you're using for the end of the movie which i was a little confused with uh, uh, from it's black magic and drugs <laughs> yeah yeah you know like i said we kind of wrote ourselves into a corner there um no but uh you know but at that point you know and 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 at that point in the film, you kind of said it earlier, like it was confusing, but you didn't care. I'm like, anyone that's made it to this point in this movie, they're going to go for it. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, you know, I, I, I like to leave a lot of stuff on set sometimes. And it's like, you know what? Like 
people are turning into fucking sludge. It's because of ancient magic and and chemicals. You know, like it's all right. It's a campy horror movie. You know, we don't need it all spelled out in a big monologue or big. I guess there is a big monologue at the end of that one, but. I don't know. I don't know. It's like it, it doesn't have to be spoon fed to the audience. You can just use your imagination a little bit. Even something like The Witch. I mean, you don't have a lot of clarity. There's people that have a great deal of confusion of what the movie's supposed to be about. Were they eating fungus, lead, and corn? And were they tripping the whole time? Or was Satan really there? It doesn't fucking matter. It looked good. No. It was cool. Yeah. Like, right? You liked it, right? It looked great. Like, who fucking cares what it's about? And you get to. A point visually where I, it, it just fucking is great. You just look at what you're enjoying and it that some of the uh, video nasty, some of the most legendary movies from the 70s are fucking stupid. Even the Halloween series starts getting monotonous to a point where it's this whole familial thing and Laurie's related to Michael Myers and the cult of Thorn. You still watch it because it's the big guy in the mask killing people, and it's great. Like it, it doesn't matter so much what you're going, and it doesn't mean everything doesn't matter. I mean, there's some things that obviously the plot and the point is excessively important, but when you're dealing with, especially the bottom, no budget of horror movies, you got to look at what the people have put for you on screen. I think that's where a lot of my enjoyment comes from, and and what I love so much about found footage is finding these new ways to use that same old story and scare people. And then when you take that step up and you start shooting your first no-budget movies, you still kind of rely on that of, I have to use human emotion to scare people. And it's fluency. It works. And, I mean, it. It. I, I would have thought, like, Serena was eight or $9,000 for a budget. 2000 is amazing because it hurts. I mean, there's. I, I hate giving the spoiler away, but there's a, an amazing sequence where someone's testicles and everything are just crushed with a baseball bat and you kind of feel it the the wet sludge hitting meat sounds especially with that scene <laughs> it was like oh wow well, you didn't when you brought this up you don't want it to happen to the character but it, it was so suitable what what would have been a better ending for that movie no one could walk away it was it was what it was and it worked for that And, um, you know, with the, the Jack character played by Colton Wheeler, the, the kind of guy that's leading the, uh, the group, um, I, I made the decision to show to not show his comeuppance on screen. Um, and you only get to see the aftermath of it. And you get to hear him being tortured, but you don't actually see uh, his demise. Uh, spoiler, sorry, but um, but that was because this guy has been such a piece of shit throughout the whole movie. There's nothing I can show that is going to make it even, or th there's nothing that I can show that is going to uh, be enough uh, for what this guy deserves. Um, so that that was a choice to just leave it up to your imagination. Like, you know, you hear the screams, you hear and you see a little glimpse of the, of the aftermath, but like, uh, you know, the imagination is cool and it also works great on a no budget. Oh, one less kill scene to shoot. Especially the one that follows it is, is pretty grisly. I mean, you've got a, a Freddy Krueger to the butthole kind of thing. And the audience yeah. can take That's not even a spoiler because I don't know what, what that would even mean. You can imagine it. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, for, for, for the opening scene with Serena, uh, we, were, we were going for realism, like super realism in terms of the pacing and in terms of the the amount of time we're in that scene with those characters um 
is is very uncomfortable um a lot of you know and it's not it's not particularly brutal scene in terms of like what what you visually see um but but the the length of time that we're we're in that scene is is meant to make people want the scene to end and it just kind of keeps going um and then with the 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 guys at the end of the movie you know it's let's just take the fucking gloves off and get real nasty and freaky with it um i was okay being a little more exploitive uh with the guys uh with the guys scene versus exploiting uh exploitive with with serena because she didn't deserve it um but those guys man yeah they need they, they deserve that uh knife up the butt as a lot of guys do, unfortunately, but yeah. At this point, from your direction, your storytelling, and everywhere you're going, I'm I'm beyond excited for Sawed Off. I'm I'm really excited for this to come out, and I, it, the the timing and placement of of our interaction and how this all happened uh, worked perfectly because I've just been struggling, and there's been a couple episodes on Death by DVD about it lately that the direction of the show's really been changing, and we used to be a weekly show, and I'm to the point where I I want to put out content when it's good content. And we're going to be able to start a streaming show where we can show movies soon. And I just, I, I don't want to disappoint people with what to do for Halloween. And the timing, all of this fell together perfectly. That a film that I appear in, Dark Tales from Channel X, will be available on October 4th. And then your new movie, Sold Off, comes out on the 12th. And th this is now the Death by DVD Halloween. I don't think there's anything more perfect for the release time of this episode. And it, it's a, I, I feel a great stool for us to, to celebrate your new work because I'm just blown for it. Going And just in a few short days, being able to watch everything you've done, it's kind of... It's, it's such anticipatory waiting of like, I can't wait to see now. I can't wait to see what's happened in the last few years and what your techniques have changed to and, and, and the metamorphosis of your art because it's really visual on screen to me that you have grown. You, you constantly are changing and putting more and more and more into what is on screen for the audience. And it's all there. It's really fun. I appreciate it. And, and sawed off is, uh, you know, I've, I've got sawed off and a film called Terabella, um, that's almost completed. And Terabella is a, a black and white, uh, throwback to like, uh, baby Jane and, um, psycho. Um, so it's, 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 uh, super character driven, um, about two crazy ladies that end up living together. But sawed off is, is more of a, a campy, Kind of more similar to Rational Fear. We actually filmed it at the same cabin as Rational Fear, nice. uh, so you'll uh, you'll recognize the setting. But um, but it's a really fun concept that uh, my buddy uh, James Bressick came up with. Um, uh, we adapted a script and added in James's concept where uh, what if there was a place where you couldn't die? You could you could die, but you would immediately come back to life. And not only that, your dead body is still uh there you know so these bodies kind of keep piling up and these uh these two buddies that are uh out on a hunting trip with a girl that they're both kind of interested in um there's a hunting accident and they set off this chain reaction of repeated death um and as they go through this process they become more and more insane and crazy stuff happens and it's very campy it's very it gets it gets super funny at the end i think why'd you invite us up here frank Inviting your two exes up to a cabin for a weekend together? Look at you. Hard and hard and hard. Sure you don't want to come with us, Marge? Mm, you two in the woods with guns? Yeah, nah. I'll pass. Legends 
that I heard, that it's back to the 1800s. And so they all just kind of went mad. I, I, I don't know what happened. I was hearing voices and I, I didn't even see it until I pulled the trigger. What are you talking about? I killed Frank. Let him know he's dead yourself. You can go. He's inside. How? I thought you were dead. I am dead. What you, you won't get that chance again. You stabbed me! Is that it? I had a feeling you was gonna come back. Okay, what's going on with you two? John here is a killer. You think old man Marjorie was into Hocus Pocus? I, I came up here just the same as you guys. You sure about that? excited for people to check it out and i'm excited to check out your what uh, tell me about your film that you that you're acting in i i worked on a film in 2019 directed by manny serrano and Lindsay serrano they run a production company called mass grave pictures i previously did a, a, a slasher film in the early 2000s called blood slaughter massacre and they did another uh, psychological kind of ken russell kind of uh, horror film called theta states and we got together with a great cast of people and he did an anthology film in 2019 and I, I was a production assistant on that film, and then it got to appear as one of the characters in the wraparound sequence that we, we shot over a four-day period in Jersey. And then COVID hit and just made things miserable trying to get that out. And thankfully, he, he I believe the Blu-ray actually was released through Horror Pack and is no longer oh, nice. available. Yeah, I was I was excited for it, and then we found out when it was too late <laughs> to order it. So oh, it, it no one ended up getting a copy of it, but the DVD is available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and deepdiscount.com, and uh, pre-orders are open now. Well, gosh, by the, by the time this episode comes out, it might be already available, but it comes out on October 4th, so it's kind of in perfect time that... People could celebrate a super indie Halloween with Dark Tales from Channel X and then move directly four days later. Your film comes out, and, and is it is it going to be a widespread release? Is it streaming? It's, um, it's going to be on um, the majority of like major streaming platforms. Um, it's going to have a DVD release. I'm not sure about a Blu-ray yet. Um, uh, one of our producers uh, put together a really, really good like 30-minute behind-the-scenes documentary of the making of the whole movie um so if you want to check out sawed off you can either stream it or if you're into you know kind of the commentary and behind the scenes stuff you, you should be able to grab it on a, a dvd i'll make sure we share the hell out of on our social media is the link for this because it's, it's something i like to push is having physical media i'm a physical media collector um i'm not not super big into vhs but dvd and blu-ray and I, it's just one of those passions that when people work really hard on something and you get that physical release, it's it's a little piece of immortality. It's like having, uh, you know, painting a picture. You have that release, and I find it just amazing when other people are able to own that and share that art. So I really implore our audience to fucking buy this. Go go find it. Type Hunter Johnson movies and look it up on Google. Pay money for them find the actual physical release it matters and it might i mean the filmmaker might not ever know but it matters that you own it yeah i'm i'm a a, a big physical media dude um it's funny i don't have a blu-ray player i'm like all analog um but uh but yeah you know it's uh 
in in the the way the world is going with streaming, I, I truly think that owning copies of movies is the way to go because 50 years from now, a lot of these indie films might be nowhere aside from uh, aside from a DVD or a Blu-ray. Um, and I'm excited to check out your film too, dude. I will definitely pick up a copy. And uh, I'm so glad it's send... DVD so you can actually see it. That <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I own like three Blu-rays um, and they're, they're movies that I was involved in in one way or the other. Those are the only Blu-rays I own and, and I don't even, <laughs> I can't even watch them. Yeah, I made another film, but I, I don't think it's available whatsoever, so I rarely talk about it. But I, I never want to insult the filmmaker, Michael Todd Schneider. Uh, most people know him better as Michael Maggot from the August Underground series. I was oh, in nice. his, um, I don't think it's his last film, but it, it took him about 20 years to make the movie, and it's called Opening the Mind, and I shot some of my own scenes for that, and I he kept it a, a dark secret, told me what he wanted, and I shot some scenes, and I, I had no clue they ended up in the movie until someone messaged me and said, are you this weird guy in a shed filled with bones? Oh hell yeah! I just thought to myself sometimes, yes, but <laughs> are you <laughs> yeah. are you are you watching me? What? How do you know this? What the fuck? But um, yeah, so I I, I did uh, make an appearance in that film, and I, I always hate not bringing up Michael Todd Schneider. I heard one time he was kind of mad at me that I never talked about that movie. So uh, shout out Michael, dude. I, I'm very sorry, Michael Maggot. Skill comes from practice. Talent comes from experience. You don't have to be a gifted narcissist to be a great artist, but sometimes it helps. When you start out, you don't need faith in yourself and you don't need faith in your abilities at all. What you need is the belief that the more you practice, the better you'll be at it. And the more you experience, the more naturally endowed your abilities will become. Adrian Sims. As humans, we have the power to create our own experiences, and our experiences have the power to shape us from within. Just like the way our brains physically change whenever we learn something. By creating, controlling, and guiding our experiences, we can influence ourselves tremendously. The All-American Success Story. Eventually, with the approach of your gift, you only need to believe that what you are doing is important and has value. Repetition, like a straight razor, will take care of the rest. Murder was his passion. The part of practicing that generates skill is repetition. Repetition is pattern creation. Repetition generates meaning. Repetition is reflection, and reflection is where learning takes place. Repetition is familiarity and can become boring. But repetition with mutation reinforces memory, and this leads to infinite invention and creativity. Skill and talent develop naturally as you become more and more driven and obsessed to kill. Opening the Mind, coming soon from Maggot Films. I'm super excited for the career uh, of, of Hunter Johnson. I want to see more from, from your work and your short films. I think it's exciting. And you you work with a lot of really interesting guys. I mean, it's, it's no budget, but 
the director and the creator of the Jennifer series is producing for Danzig these days. Yeah, I actually, I had a very small, I had two lines in uh, Veronica. Oh, uh, God, I got to watch it again. Oh, dude, yeah. I'm in, I'm in one of the strip club scenes. I, literally, like, two, two lines, uh, if that. And uh, I was working with Danzig was super fun. Very cool, dude. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, James, you know, James uh, to Jennifer was one of his first movies. Um, uh, so just the career path. I mean, he just did a movie with Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis. Um, uh, so he's he's gone on to do all sorts of really, really cool stuff. And uh, and yeah, now he's working with Danzig a lot. Um, uh, Veronica I went to the uh, I went to the premiere of Veronica in LA and it was one of the best screenings I've ever been to for a movie because it looks so I cool. mean oh dude we it, the audience was just rolling the whole time like I don't know if you're a fan of the room I'm a big fan of the room I did not hit her it's not true it's bullshit I did not hit her I did not oh hi Mark but it, it was that kind of vibe. And I mean that as a compliment. Like I, I'm a big fan of Erotica. Like I thought it was I thought it was great. Um uh and I'm a big fan of the room. I think it's great. But uh it definitely had that like super goofy, campy, like how did this get made kind of vibe. I think Danzig really has one of the best sentiments when it comes to being a filmmaker. He doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks, and he's making yep. the movies he has always wanted to see and make. And that's, I, I think, an attitude that you really have and have a shared compassion with. And I, that's what brought us to this place in general is the art of filmmaking, no matter how bad you think a movie is, isn't easy. And it's it's so easy to discredit people and to say these are the worst films you've ever seen or to have some radicalization of why you hate them. But at the end of the day, it's still a process of art that most people couldn't fucking comprehend doing or have the courage to put their thoughts and and everything out on the line like you do like Danzig did because you can look at Veronica on one hand as the worst movie in the world or the greatest tribute to everything the misfits have ever stood for I mean it's the ultimate in horror and cheese and blood and guts it's the midnight movie and every single piece of Danzig's heart is in that so who gives a fuck what anyone else thinks? And that could be the same thing for Irrational Fears, Serena Waits, all of your films, because you've gone out there and produced them, written them, directed them, for a lot of them, acted in them, and gotten them to a point that most people, they dream about, but they don't actually get to that point. So it's really easy to shit on somebody, but do what they do and see how it feels. And I, I hope that's a good sentiment for people to take away with this episode. And I really, really hope at least one person goes and, and types your name in. Go to Tubi. Almost all your films are available there. Find Hunter Johnson. Watch these movies. Just check them out. It's something different. It's not some mass-produced Marvel stuff that you've seen a thousand times. It's not Star Wars again. It's something. It's something new. And that's a sentiment of its own. You do something different. And that should be appreciated. Hell yeah, bro. Um... Yeah, no, I appreciate it, and and you know, I, I sound like a broken record, but yeah, literally. So do I. It's good. <laughs> yeah, getting 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 eyes on the screen for for small movies is is all we can ask for as as filmmakers, artists, and I'm sure you can relate as a uh, you know with your podcasts, like just getting people to listen to it is the hardest part. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, yeah, if you if you like weird, uncomfortable, no budget horror movies, check them out. Um, if you're, if that's not your thing, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, 
if you if you type a, a a bad review on Letterboxd, I might tweet about it. No, I'm just kidding. But um, you very well but... might. And that could that could actually turn into something pretty fucking awesome, though. I mean, I I I hate ending things. I hate getting toward a closing because I've had a blast talking to you, and I feel there's Likewise. a thousand subjects, you know. And it's even uh, I'd love for you to come back, and we can do more stuff on on different subjects. I'd love for you to to talk about uh, movies that influence you on this show. It'd be really terrific. And I mean, God. The Jennifer series alone, we there could be millions of shows. Maybe the next Jennifer movie will be a podcast. Who knows? That's the cool thing about the series is you can grow from it. Everything is just a different version of growth and positivity. No matter what you hate or could be the worst fucking movie on the planet, it still goes somewhere at the end of the day. I, I've learned that appreciation from you and everyone involved. I mean, there's, there's with the Jennifer series, a great deal of people, and all of them have their own integrity and style as artists, and all of it shows pretty fluently on screen. You have one hell of a story when you get to the end of it. And that's the fucked up part. You get to the end of Jennifer, and you still can question, what's next? That's horror. That's pretty perfect. Yeah, spoiler alert. Jennifer's going to space in part five. No, I'm just appreciate it harry i i i uh the uh you know i appreciate your hospitality bringing me on the show um and you know like i said i appreciate you watching the films for real um and yeah you know i i, I thought this was a really productive conversation um i'd love to come back to your show anytime uh anytime you feel suitable hit me up uh you you, you got my info so i uh, would love to come back and i again really appreciate you having me on for real yeah i would definitely be honored man uh, you have Sawed Off coming out October 12th. You can find it almost everywhere streaming. Check it out. Pull your Roku. Look at this. Type it in. Hunter Johnson. You know, you can go on your Roku and you can follow people so all of their movies will pop up. You should do that right now. Hunter Johnson. And make sure it's not the race car guy. I think there's another guy that has your name that every time I type it in, it is some guy that died in like 1987. I'm like, that's yeah, there's a pro or there's a uh, a football player named Hunter Johnson too. I'm okay. trying to trying to climb the Google charts against him, but he he might be drafted, so that that'll be tough. Hopefully, we can get at least some integrity and some people watching this film. Sawed off, coming out soon. Thank you so much for spending your time with me, man. I really really appreciate it, and I agree. I think this was really productive, and I 100 percent I'm gonna bother you and ask you to to join the show again and work further for the future, man. I I really love your ideas. And I, again, I thank you so much for being on Death by DVD. Hey, thanks for having me, Harry. The ashtray is full and the bottle is empty. Nice.
<laughs> well, sweepies, it looks like it's time to bid adieu. We've seen this sweep show all the way through, and I still have a cobweb or two in my tomb that just will not do. So I must leave you. <laughs> recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. Crystal Sunshine Mountain in any town USA with transmitters on top of the Empire State Building. <laughs>